Mr. Dunbar, the concert was really great. Yeah, yeah, I bet it was. Like, I'll listen to it later, right? Now I got to go, okay? Ah, uh, but wait a minute, you don't know what you missed. I, I, but, I, I, but they sang a song, you know? Oh! And, uh, then they sang another song, you know what I mean? Wait, don't need to hear this. They got a pat that comes from the school, stood up and said, hi, hi, hi. Did the hand. Yeah, oh, yeah, then the curtain opened up, you know, uh -huh. and then they sang Black Water. Oh, Black Water! Yeah, well, I just made it the tape. Like and then, wait a minute, then, then, then John came out with the torch and hit the gun. Right. Boom, boom, boom. A lot of smoke and a lot of coffee. <laughs> a lot of coffee and a lot of smoke around there. Uh, then the Mike said, taking it to the street. Okay, I don't care. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And then we don't get up and get the fucking tape. Come on, come on, come on. It's the Mixtape Preservation Society. I'm your host, BJ Fornicati. a belated happy birthday to a very special person. That person's name is Richard Starkey, better known as Ringo Starr. Birthday was on July 7th, so this is a little late in getting out there, but that's okay. It's the least I can do for whom I consider the greatest rock and roll drummer of all time. Now, I don't want to hear it, okay? You know there's people out there that are going to hear a statement like what I just said, and they're going to give you... The usual crap. Oh, Neil Peart. Oh, this guy, that guy, John Bonham, Keith Moon. They're gonna, they're gonna tell you all that crap. And I'm not denying that those guys can hit some skins, you know. I'm not denying that at all. I mean, hell, the late John Blackwell, who we're gonna pay a tribute to later on in this podcast, that guy is a way better drummer technically than Ringo Starr. But there would be no John Blackwell, no Keith Moon, no John Bonham. None of those guys. Neil Peart, none of those guys. There'd be none of them without Ringo Starr. Just check out his name. Ringo Starr. Star. That's a stage name. And he's a star. He was a star before he joined the Beatles. Those guys looked up to Ringo. John Lennon liked Ringo so much, he had him play with him in the Plastic Ono Band on the first couple records they did Plastic Ono Band. John was completely enamored with Ringo Starr. Those guys really dug him. John Lennon liked him so much, he wrote a song for him, which I'm about to play, which kind of exemplifies the Ringo mystique. I saw Ringo star on the Arsenio Hall talk show in the 90s once, and Arsenio asked him, where do you rank yourself uh, in terms of all-time drummers? And Ringo didn't hesitate. He said, greatest rock and roll drummer of all time. And everybody stood up and applauded. Ringo's the man. I don't think you understand. Like Before Ringo star, drummers just sat in the back. It did nothing. And the only time Drummer got love was in jazz combos. You know, Buddy Rich. You had to lead your own jazz combo in order to get any respect. And then pop music and rock and roll music came around. Then the Beatles happened. And the Drummer was a star. 
Ringo Starr made it cool to play the drums. Period. Don't tell me anything else. You can, uh, I mean, you can, you could try and tell me other things, but it just shows you don't know your rock and roll history. You find me another drummer from that era who had as much juice as Ringo Starr. Pete Best didn't cut it. Even the guy that they replaced Ringo Starr with on the drums temporarily for the Love Me Do single, Alan White, even that guy didn't stick with it. George Martin thought he was a better drummer, but the other Beatles were like, George, I think you've got it wrong. You don't understand the appeal of Ringo. He's got something that you can't put your finger on. You want to sit there and you want to tell me, you know, this and that, mandy pandy, la la la, booby boo, lee la loo lee lee. Ringo Starr is the greatest rock drummer of all time. He made it possible. Just like Paul McCartney made it safe for bass players to take a prominent position in a rock and roll combo, that's what Ringo Starr did. All the Beatles, in fact, elevated their respective positions to much higher authorities within the group. They're the first group that suggested there was a democracy amongst the musicians. Band leaders didn't give equal time to their session the Beatles were a democracy in that respect. And you can say that Ringo contributed less than the other Beatles did, but without Ringo, they would not have been the Beatles. Even when they had Pete Best, even when Ringo got sick and he had Jimmy Nichols, I think that guy's Jimmy Nichols, fill in for him on a couple of Australian dates. Even when Ringo left during the White Album sessions, he was pissed off at micromanaging Paul McCartney up in his ass. Without Ringo Starr, there was no Beatles. And when the Beatles reunited in the 90s and did those two songs for the anthology without John, just the same as they weren't the Beatles then, they're not the Beatles without Ringo. It's a fact. And people like to joke and say that Ringo didn't contribute as much. He was a star. He had energy. He had charisma. He's the guy everybody imitates when they do the Liverpool accent. Ringo's the most identifiable Beatle. Ringo Starr is the greatest rock and roll drummer of all time. And I'll repeat it again and again and again and again and again. And I don't care what you think. And if you think otherwise, it just shows me how limited your thinking is and how much studying and research you have to do. Get off my ass about it. You don't know a damn thing. You don't know Jack, buddy. And on that note, I'm going to play a song in tribute to the greatest rock and roll drummer of all time, Ringo Starr. Here we go. Hey! I love 
Please welcome John Blackwell. In May of 2011, my biggest wish in the world came true. I finally got to see Prince live in concert. He was doing a residency at the Great Western Forum in Inglewood, California. 21 nights in L.A. Most of them were at the Forum, but he also did some surprise gigs at various venues, including the now-defunct House of Blues on Sunset. I was living in L.A. at the time. My family was in Indianapolis, but I'd come back to L.A. to get the rest of our stuff and to make some money and, and send it back to Indianapolis. And so I didn't think I could afford a ticket, but when I called Ticketmaster, when the tickets went on sale, I scored two tickets on the floor of the forum for 20 bucks each. Me and my best friend, Tone Capone, went to the show. I wouldn't say they were front row seats, but it was a theater in the round, so we did get to see Prince quite a number of times facing us, only about 10 feet away. The sound was incredible. Where we were standing was actually located technically behind Drum Rising. And it was from that vantage point that I witnessed the raw power and ability and talent of the late John Blackwell, who passed away last week from a brain tumor. Prince has had many drummers. The most famous was probably Sheila E., Technically, she only drummed for him for a short time, but as a protege and also as a member of the Escovito family, the musical family, including Alejandro and Pete Escovito, Coke Escovito, a uh, really talented family of musicians. But Sheila E. didn't need Prince to become rock star royalty. She was already in that position, but her association with Prince made her into a celebrity. Prince also had Bobby Z, who was the original Revolution drummer. And there was also Michael B, who was part of the first incarnation of the New Power Generation, or the NPG. And then there was Hannah from Third Eye Girl, the last drummer that Prince worked with. And there's been various other people to fill the drum seats, and I don't know the names of all of them. And of course, Prince himself is a capable drummer. And here's a little bit of trivia for you. 
There are certain songs in the Prince repertoire where Morris Day of the time plays drums. Yes, you heard it here. Morris Day is a drummer. He was the drummer for the first band that Prince had together. And there's certain songs, one of which I played last week, Chlorine Bacon Skin. I, I believe that's Morris Day on the drums. He has a very distinct style, and you can tell when Morris is on the drums. But definitely John Blackwell was the best of all of Prince's drummers. He played with many other artists as well, and he was on and off with Prince for most of his professional career. But John Blackwell is actually John Blackwell Jr. His father was a drummer also. John Blackwell Jr. cut his teeth with such acts as Cameo, which featured Larry Blackman, you know, Word up! Oh, that dude? Guy wearing the wetsuits on stage and all that? Well, Larry Blackman is a drummer too. He's more famous for being a vocalist, but he's a drummer also. And John Blackwell has been quoted as to attributing a large influence to Larry Blackman. If you don't know anything about Cameo, I'll try and play some either in this hour or next week. Suffice it to say, John Blackwell is incredible, and he will be sorely missed. And so here is a version of Little Red Corvette that was recorded live in Montreux, but it closely resembles the version that Prince did at that concert that we saw in 2011 at the Great Western Forum. I might add that we went and saw him an additional two times that summer. Once was not enough. The second time we uh, paid the same amount, $20, but we were in the loge this time. And as good as that show was, we had to go a third time. We ended up paying $75 per ticket to get the same seats that we had the first time for 20 That's how good of a performer Prince was. And there will never be another. And we were lucky enough to behold the power of Prince while John Blackwell was playing drums. So here's for you, John Blackwell. I hope you're up in heaven with Prince just jamming out and playing songs that sound like this. Here we go. Watch your cut sideways with a pretty laugh You're the kind of person Leaves and making out of once Love and even fast Guess it must be done She had a pocket full of horses Trolling in some of my youth It was Saturday night Guess that makes it all right So what have I got to lose? Y'all sing! Little red Corvette you're much too fast Little red Corvette You need a love That's gonna last Oh 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 I guess I should have closed my eyes when you drove me to the place where your horse was wrong That's a bit of ill So all the pictures The jockeys ever there before me Believe it or not I started to worry I wondered if I had enough class It was Saturday night I guess that makes it alright It's 
said, baby, have you got enough gas? I think so. Is the red coming out? Baby, you're much too fast. Is the red coming? You need a love. It's gonna last. Watch me! Body like yours, I'ma be in jail. Some of us are being obscene. Move over, baby. Give me the keys. I'm gonna try to tame you tonight. Taking your clothes off and just for anybody. I thought you were saving that for me, baby. Yes, Montreux, yes! 
Check out my blog at foreigncarnate.blogspot.com F-O-R-N-I-C-A-T-T-I You guys meeting him somewhere? In the soda shop. He gave him his tape. The soda shop? Yeah, we're doing Yeah. Got it. You guys go ahead and make your delivery. Yeah, we wouldn't want to disappoint the man. Uh-huh. You mean you want us to give him the tape? Yeah. yeah. Should we call the police first? No, I think we'd like a bite to eat. Maybe we'll stop by the soda shop. You better eat first. You don't want to go by the soda shop on an empty stomach.
hold on, hold on. It said like uh, the top ten songs of all time have like a love element, or they're about love. Yeah. Like I feel like you know the most popular <laughs> songs that have ever been produced or like made have some sort of love element to them. You know? Yeah. Go 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 go. Do you agree, Jr? Do you, think the, do you think the best songs are about love, Jr? Because people can relate, you know. Because everybody likes to be in love. Who doesn't like to be in love? You know. Who doesn't like to hear about love? Well, his favorite song is about um, an Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Hooked <laughs> on a feeling, he 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 just likes it because it was in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then. I know he likes Strawberry Fields Forever. That's not really a love song. Yeah. Okay, Shaka. It kind of sounds like it, though. You know what I mean? Are you hungry, little man? Nothing. Strawberry Fields Forever kind of it feel it feels like a love song, you know? It's like a it's like a it's kind of sad. It's like a song about like wanting to go back in time, almost. You know, just you know, just to 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 be a kid again. Yeah. Which hey, Jr. We're almost done here, but we don't need you talking in the background. You asked me to sing. Yeah, I mean, you're done, son. You're what? done, son. You're done. Living is easy with eyes closed. Misunderstanding all you see. It's getting hard to be someone, but it all works out. It doesn't matter much to me. It's alright That is I think it's not too bad Let me take you down Cause I'm going to Strawberry fields Nothing is real Nothing to get hung about Strawberry fields forever But it's all wrong That is, I think I disagree Let me take you down Cause I'm going to Strawberry fields Nothing is real And nothing to get hung about
Yeah, that's that's a song that like I always loved that song, but it's just it's the original version that he that he recorded was like kind of like like a, it was just on the guitar. It just sounds kind of sad, but mm-hmm. I the first time I did acid, I had deja vu. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was regressing to childhood again. I think it's something with that drug. It how was, how was, how did you feel deja vu the first time you done something? That's, that's that's what's that's so crazy. interesting about yeah. about LSD. It's you know? crazy. Uh, I did the first time I did. I was 19, and it was a like golden sun, orange sun, orange sunshine, which isn't the, it's not the same that they, they had in the 60s. But that brand apparently was one that that brand name was a big brand name in the 60s. There was yeah. a documentary on Netflix about orange sunshine, and the, the tab I did. I only did. I've, I've never done more than a tab and a half. So I. But these things were extremely strong for you know for uh, having never done it before, and yeah, I just remember feeling like I had done it already. Well, I, well, well setting wise, where were you? Uh, I was at my friend's house. Um, a friend gave a friend gave it to me, and and uh, then he was like, "Get him out of here." <laughs> they didn't want me tripping at their place, so oh, did my you- friends drove me to another friend's house. Yeah. And Did you guys have a plan for that that night, or you were no, just like, "I'm just gonna"? No, they just gave it to me, and I was the only person on it. And they, why were they I, only giving to just you? Like they weren't. It's, it's a long story, and I have to get into particulars. But like, <laughs> suffice it to say, someone gave it to me, and then suddenly I couldn't be there. Yeah. So they escorted me. That just sounds place. bad, like all together. It could have been bad, but I didn't. I was just having too much fun to okay. like. Yeah. To like. For it to register, to in fact, yeah. for me it was great, and like I said, it felt like I'd done it before, like uh-huh. I've been there before, I've awesome. been in that situation. Yeah. And in fact, I was more annoyed with the friends of mine who were like trying to mess with me. Yeah. Like the <laughs> being all like 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 the boogeyman or whatever, <laughs> like trying to scare me. Now I, I was just kind of looking at them like, I'm not that messed up, man. Like yeah. this is actually kind of cool. You're kind of annoying me. <laughs> I'm like, are you having a bad trap? I'm like, no. But I will if you keep yeah, doing right. that, you know. And so then eventually everybody left, and my friend went to sleep, and I stayed up all night. He set it up for me where he had a CD changer, like a five CD changer, yeah, uh, playing while I was watching on cable. Mm-hmm. So I was just flipping through all these crazy channels, and every trippy movie in the world happened to be playing that night. Hellraiser two, <laughs> the doors, the scene where they're in the desert on peyote, yeah, uh, naked lunch. Like, what? All these crazy movies were Dude. coming on, and all this music. <laughs> he had like Mr. Bungle and Fish and Doors. Yeah. Oddly enough, he had the Doors. As the Doors movie. As the Doors fun. movie was playing, That's so crazy. there was all this synchronicity and weird stuff going on with the trip. And at one point, there was like a real beautiful moment too, where the music and this. I don't know what it was. This footage of a ballet dancer, black and white footage of a ballet dancer. I just happened to flip over the channel and came across it. The song playing at the same time. And it was like it was. A, I wrote notes down. My friend still has these notes. Every now and then, when I visit him, he pulls them out. And says, Remember this? Yeah. And they're just insane. But like it was a feeling of having done it before, and like feeling like a child again.
after that, and er, all the other subsequent trips were like different in different ways, because I'd be in different cities or at parties or whatever. But that first one was like definitely wanting to go back. And I read that like John Lennon would do acid so much he was that for like two years he wasn't sober at all. Really? It was a nonstop acid trip. So I don't know what that does to your brain, but apparently he had a constitution that could take it. Because he didn't flip out like everybody else did. Yeah, you know he, or maybe he did, and he was just better at hiding. He was it. just I mean, stuck in his. He ended up with Yoko Ono. Yeah, and he must have been tripping pretty hard. And I like Yoko Ono. I got nothing against her, but mm. I used to think that maybe she was just a super freak under the covers because, like, John Lennon can have anybody. Right. It's like, why do you have this girl? Like, she's not right. even fine. Like, you have her. I think two years of nonstop LSD might be the, the answer to that question. Yeah, maybe they just got along really well, like behind closed doors. And... That's what he says. Yeah. You know, he, it, I think it was also she had money. I mean, he was a Beatle, but she came from a Japanese financial banking. Yeah. Uh, family right. uh, that's like, what, like you have money but I have real money she was already an artist doing yeah. stuff like yeah. um, she wasn't trying to become a recording artist yeah you know and he's the one who convinced her she could do it so if John Lennon told me hey man I think you would be a, <laughs> I think you'd be a great Jonathan hey, man, then I would probably hey. go out and become a janitor I think you should John be a plumber James I think the go and clean the go and clean the tub, sweep it up under the rug. <laughs> you know what? I can sweep the tub. I'll do that. Yeah, John yeah, Lennon. That's, that's what I would do. You know, yeah. John Lennon gave me career advice, and probably like, yeah, I'll take you career advice. <laughs> you know, just just because it's him. That motherfucker's on acid. <laughs> Don't listen to him. <laughs> yeah, he he uh he called the Beatles to a meeting at the height of his acid trips. Mm. And he said, I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, he, he said that, he, he literally said, I, I, I've realized, I've come to realize I'm Jesus. And they, luckily, the other Beatles are like, yeah, I think you need to cut back on your message. <laughs> Harry likes to have his lunch as high in the sky as he can climb. <laughs> Focus on you. 
I don't ever encourage people to do it. I've had friends trying to encourage me because they're like, uh, what do they say? I was like, well, if you've never done it, then how do you know? Or like, it could like open something up, like a new door. I'm just like, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like as soon as I do it, I will get stuck in, in, in the trip. And I'm just like, I don't know if I shouldn't have done that. You need to be with the right people is what it is. Like when I started doing it, the person who gave it to me, I felt, I trusted that person. Yeah. And even though he like was like, I can't have you here. Uh, yeah, you know, I trusted him, and then he kicked me out. No, like. no but the thing was that <laughs> I, I don't think he expected me to do it. Yeah, that was the funny thing. But so, he, yeah, that's crazy. It, it's a long story. I don't yeah. want to get into all the particulars. Suffice it to say, I basically tested it out for him. Okay. And since I hadn't done it before, I was the perfect person to yeah. test it out. You're in the guinea pig. Right. So. In a way, that's kind of irresponsible, but I was a full-grown adult at that point. I was 19, legally of age. You know, I made that decision. I trusted this person, and then the people who whisked me away, I trusted also. Yeah. So I didn't feel bad about any of it. You know, I did all the things people told me not to do. Don't look in the mirror. I looked in the mirror. And my face changed into all these different configurations, and it didn't freak me out. So you probably just were embracing the whole thing. I think that's what people don't do when they try something for the first time. They don't embrace it. They like freak out. They say so you, you need to embrace this. Yeah, they, what it is. They have a hard time detaching, and I don't yeah. have a hard time detaching at anything. So for me, at the time, I was the perfect person to do these things because I could all. I was. I was never so far gone. Like I would hear about people taking like five tabs, six tabs of the same stuff, and I'm like, you can't get me to do that. You don't need that. Like, you're just frying yourself. I don't. I didn't need to go that deep into it. To me, the amount that I experienced was, was definitely enough for me to enjoy and have a good time. It's like, why get completely pass out drunk if all you wanted to do was get a slight buzz? Why, you yeah. know, why do people have to go excessively... There's psychological problems behind that, but I mean, the I great thing about LSD is it's not addicting. Went to a party, I danced all night. I danced 16 
If some people are like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all the way in. You know, they don't want to just put their feet in the pool. They want to jump in the the deep end, you know. Ultimately, you need to be around people you trust. If there's anybody in your circle that you yeah. don't trust or don't feel any control with, yeah, it's not a good idea to do it. I, I, I've always I've always made sure to be around people that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst trip I ever had was... It started off good because it was once again somebody said, "Hey, anybody want to do this?" And they said, "Sure," mm-hmm. and I did it. And it was actually the last time I did it. It was a window pane acid, and somebody, some old hippie guy, was like, "Hey, you want to do this?" It's window blotter <laughs> or something like window pane. <laughs> and I was just kind of feeling cocky. I said, "Sure," gave it to me, and I started like, I think we were watching Amityville Horror, the first Amityville. I started laughing in the middle of it. So then I think it was actually the same guy too who, who my first trip told me to leave mm-hmm. my last trip he told me to leave too and so <laughs> the guy who gave it to me drove me all the way home yeah and uh, um, I, I went to bed but I couldn't go to sleep and I had to go to work the next day so I went into work and I was still technically tripping and I just remember thinking I could make it through the day but I'm never going to do this again that was pretty yeah. stupid of me to do uh-huh. it impulsively like that uh-huh. and I got through it, but it was, I kind of felt like I'm too old for this now. I shouldn't be having to do this.
It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much right for your you, input. Sir. And uh, bong, bong, bong. bong, 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 bong. Let us know when you're doing stuff in the future. If you have any cuts you want to premiere, it's all you're always welcome. I consider you like the de facto co-host. So, like you know, to me, it's like you're like it's like the greenhouse and, and uh, BJ Fornicati show. So, like you know, I spread the word. It. Thanks for coming out. Okay. Take care of him now. Take. Listen to this thing. Yeah, I hear this is a real good band. Yeah. What's that? Popcorn. 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 
that would have been quieter, but I forgot the bubble. You mean to tell me I'm going to jail for a long time and all I got to show for it is a tape of a fat kid eating popcorn? Wait a minute, there's no music on there. It's the Mixtape Preservation Society. I'm your host, BJ Fornicati. <laughs>